Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Terran Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Harry's. Harry's is a shaving company that's going to send you razors in the mail, all kinds of razors. Uh, and, and I don't know. It, it's not like you get them in the mailbox, I don't think, but probably like at your doorstep or however you get package mail. Uh, but it's pretty fun. <laughs> the, my process for ad reads is uh, interesting. Uh, so... Harry's is going to help you take better physical care of yourself because you're going to be grooming. You're going to be looking great. Uh, you're going to be using products that have won grooming awards. I asked John this last week, but uh, have you, did you know that there were grooming awards? Because I didn't. I had no idea. But anything that gives out a trophy, I mean, come on, that's reputable. Exactly. And they, they don't send you the trophy, but you you have it in spirit. Right. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've been I've been using Harry's. I think they're great. They uh, it's it really. A good shave comes down to the the blades, and Harry's owns the factory that that uh, that creates the blades, uh, and and it's cheaper. It's cheaper, but it's it's also quality. So you you got to go with Harry's here. If you want to go with Harry's, uh, you can claim your free trial from Harry's today. It's a thirteen dollar value for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Go to Harry's.com/slash/Taren. You're gonna get that weighted ergonomic razor handle, travel blade cover, the the blades, the the shave gel, all of it. It's great. So go. To harrys.com slash Taryn and get that right now. Uh, all right, Liana, let's go. <laughs> he's not human, he is like a machine, making more podcasts than you've ever seen. He was never programmed for a life because the show is the extent of his social life. It's the Taryn Show, the Taryn Show. Don't ask if he's single, you already know, because it's the Taryn Show. A simple name for a simple guy with a simple face. It's the Taryn Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Taryn Show. I've got I've got a good one here. Uh, I, probably one of the more requested people, actually. It's Liana Boris. How are you doing, Liana? I'm good. That's uh, that's a little shocking to hear. Also, you know, I hope this is a good one. Normally, I prepare with notes for all my podcasts. And so I like sat down and was like, all right, Taryn Show document open. <laughs> and I was like, well, what do I type? Like, this is my own life. Like, what? All right. Well, we'll just wing it. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, I was telling you that uh, Brent, when I did my uh, three podcasts with Brent, he did come prepare. He had a whole pay, like pages of notes uh, outlining his entire life. So I'm expecting that you did the same. Oh, uh, this is like I showed up for a test and I haven't studied, <laughs> but I'm really hoping since I literally lived this that I'll be okay. You would hope so, but you I never would know. Hope so. <laughs> yes, uh, Liana uh, is a uh, contributor to Rob as a podcast. She hosts the B and B podcast with Mike Bloom. She has been on many of the uh, live Big Brother live feed updates with me. Uh, we do uh, Liana Saturdays. Hopefully, we'll be able con- to uh, continue that trend. Um, and, uh, what else? Oh, and the RuPaul's Drag Race as well mm-hmm. with, uh, with Brent. Uh, you, you got your start on the, uh, So You Think You Could podcast. You're all over the place in RHAP. <laughs> yeah, yes. Much like a venereal disease. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been so much fun. You know, I've been doing the RuPaul's Drag Race podcast. That's, um, All Stars Season 3 is going on right now with Mike and Brent. Um, and then, you know, the B&B will be back for the season of Survivor. And then, of course, with Big Brother and all that stuff. So, yes, I am all over the place. 
Yes, very excited for uh, Big Brother Celebrity to start. Have you? Uh, are you up uh, with the the cast and everything? Are you excited? I am excited. Up with the cast, saw the fifteen minute thing <laughs> yeah. of feeds, which is like this teaser. And so, of course, you know, my phone starts blowing up. Oh my gosh, Big Brother feeds are back, and it's like, oh no, psych. Yeah, <laughs> just a teaser. Well, it's actually funny because people are like, oh, so we need a di- we need an update, Taryn. Yeah. Uh, why don't we do Liana Saturday? And today is Saturday, and I'm talking to Liana, so uh, I don't. Maybe this will qualify even though it'll be released on monday night yeah this will have to count sorry we need a little bit more than 15 minutes worth of feeds i think to qualify for that but uh, <laughs> this will this will have to do instead yeah i i did briefly like when the feeds were on i was like oh man should i maybe i'll need to do an update tomorrow because there's stuff happening and then it was like 15 minutes and i was like the update would be there's a girls <laughs> alliance <laughs> of some sort i think <laughs> thanks everyone <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, oh, the kitchen island got turned into this weird, like, little seating area. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) The drama. (laughs) There's not a 12th house guest at the moment. Um, All right. So, uh, Liana, you uh, I remember I remember watching your um, your audition video for So You Think You Can Podcast. And you talked I think it was in that video that you talked about being some some kind of scientist or in in the field of science, and that in, that intrigued me right away because uh, I I love science. Uh, I'm I'm not a scientist though. I'm like a, a fanboy of science. Um, so can you tell me? Can you tell me what it is that you do? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, I guess my science story goes back to when I was little. I always, you know, how kids like, oh, I'm going to be an astronaut or like I'm going to be a firefighter or whatever. And I was like, I'm going to be a meteorologist because <laughs> I was super into weather. So I was like, oh, I'm all about the clouds and stuff like, you know, I was like six years old running around saying I was going to be a meteorologist. Like what? Like no kid says that. So anyway, I was a total weirdo from an early age. Um, but then, you know, I was really into math and science throughout, you know, school and I went to undergrad, I actually uh, majored in general engineering. So I went to Harvey Mudd College. It's a pretty small college, part of the Claremont Colleges in Southern California. And um, I was a general engineer. So we took classes in all types of engineering, mechanical, chemical, digital, electrical, but I found my love in biomedical engineering. And so what I ended up doing after I graduated was I, well, I worked for a year, but then I started in a PhD program. And so I have completed my PhD. So I have a PhD in biomedical engineering, um, where I, my research focuses on, I'm not going to go into this in detail because believe me, it's like, it's okay. Science, here's the thing. Here's the thing about science. Science is never the way it's always reported on TV. Like I'm sure you've seen those studies where the newscaster will come on and say, scientists recommend drinking one glass of wine a day, you know, blah, 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 whatever, or a bar of chocolate a day it's like no 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 no. let me tell you what actually happened scientists did a study with like mice and then mice that they treated with a like some sort of chemical that is found in chocolate or found in wine and they treated them with like you know 10 times the 20 times the amount you would ever get from drinking like you know wine and they found like some minor positive like impact on your health so like that's where the study started you know nobody says like that so you know what i spent this morning well okay All right, let me start back. So I study how single cells behave when there's some sort of like physical force imposed on them. So our bodies are made out of cells and those cells are really important. So for example, for your heart to beat, those cells need to be able to contract. Um, And so if that goes wrong, obviously you're going to have a heart attack and that's not so great. So it's really important to understand how those cells behave. So anyway... Uh, that's kind of what I do. And this morning, it is Saturday, I woke up really early and went and essentially poked 
things with a really, really hundreds of thousands of dollars expensive stick <laughs> to see how stiff it is. Like that was that was my super exciting morning. <laughs> so, you know, and science is really not how it's seen on TV. I love it to death. It's essentially a big problem, which is, you know, like you're trying to solve these problems and you have all these pieces that come together. Uh, and that's why I enjoy it. But yeah, it's nothing like TV. Just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's like that's the thing. Like I, I have scientist friends and I'm always interested in what they're doing. And then when I ask them what they're doing, it doesn't ever make any sense to me. I'm like, <laughs> that is great. And I want to be, I want to understand and I want to genuine, because I am genuinely interested in understanding, but it, it's just like, it, often what they're doing is so, you know, it's it's like a minute part of some yeah. bigger thing that's a bigger <laughs> thing. And it's it's hard to actually like create conversation out of it when I have no idea what they're talking about. No, it's so funny because it is. It's so narrow. It's so specific. Like when I made a list of people that I wanted to work for after I finished my PhD, it's like a list of 20 people in the world <laughs> yeah. that do what I want to do, you know? And so <laughs> trying to explain to people what I do, you know, because I always get asked by friends and family members, you know, oh, so, oh, you got a new job. You know, you're working at Yale. Like, what? What do you do? Like, oh god, all right. <laughs> let me try. Let, let me try to explain this. And not that I, you know, I really try to do my best to communicate what it is that I do. Uh, but, but yes, it is. It is nothing like TV. You know, there's not the the dramatic montage of us like working in the lab and all of a sudden <laughs> figuring something out. You know, the dramatic removal of eyeglasses when we've solved the problem. Sometimes yeah. I do that from time to time to make myself feel better, but <laughs> it's not normal. <laughs> I poked it especially hard today <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um, I, I feel like i feel like um some of the older people that i've talked to that have been scientists all their life they tend to be better at like summing up their life's work yes. in a way mm -hmm. that's like well this is what i contributed um so that you have that to look forward to maybe yeah for sure i mean once you get a you know you take a step back and you have a more global view of what it is that you your field and what you've worked on and what it is they're you're doing you know i like my thesis is new things that I've worked on. But it's like, it is it's those few, like little tiny, little minor things that I've done. Um, and so hopefully when I have, you know, hundreds of papers under my belt, then I'll be able to talk globally about my contribution to society. But for right now, I poke things with super expensive sticks. <laughs> yes, see, someday you will get to be on a podcast explaining why uh, the headlines about your uh, scientific work <laughs> are misrepresented. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's like that's seriously one of the more annoying things. Like I, I especially the wine one, honestly, probably because it's because I like don't drink. And that's often like said to me like, oh, but it's healthy. Uh, and I'm like, I don't think so. I think that's not exactly the most reliable piece of information that you have. But uh, but yeah, it's that's kind of stuff is all over the place. But and especially, you know, also as somebody who tries to be healthy and eat healthy when it's like this food is super healthy for you. And then like a year later, it's like, this food is crazy unhealthy for you and it causes cancer. Uh <laughs> There's yeah, I mean, that's the thing. There's so much we don't know. And I honestly like, OK, so I overheard a conversation yesterday in my lab that they were talking about this protocol. Um, and, you know, a woman was was asking this other person was like, oh, well, why did you do this at, you know, 12 degrees Celsius? And he was like, I don't know, it works at 12 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, science. <laughs> I mean, it does like science is amazing and does wonderful things. And we do make wonderful discoveries. But, you know, it's it's still it's an art sometimes trying to figure it all out. So just, you know, there's general consensus about certain things. But just just bear with us scientists like we're tired. We're working on it. We're getting there. <laughs> well, it, I mean, that's it's sort of the nature of science that like 
you have to look into every variable to truly understand what it is you're doing. And that's like going to take a long time. It's, it's a lot of, it's more (laughs) effort because any, any other occupation or, or thing that you do, uh, you can just be like, well, this is what works. Uh, (laughs) So I'm just going to do it because my only desire is the result of, of my effort. But with Mm -hmm. science, the desire is to like understand everything that's happening as well as the result. And I, I, I certainly, I think the general public is mostly interested in the result, but like you have to understand the process in order to like actually make good progress or you can make progress and then figure out how you got there, I guess. But uh, either way, you've got to figure everything out and it's a lot of work. Yeah, there's so, so much we don't know. The one thing I will say we do know, Earth is round. Sorry, flat earthers, (laughs) but it's round. We have multiple evidence suggesting this, so sorry about it. (laughs) But what if there's a demon making you imagine it? I guess that's the philosophy. Uh, um, All right, so so you've just been interested in all this, like, since you were a kid, just science, like, what, what do you think, like, made you interested in it? Um, I think for me, I think it was the the logical problem solving and it was the the excitement of taking pieces from all all of these different areas and sort of combining it all together. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like Big Brother so much as well, because to watch the live feeds and to sort of gather evidence on, you know, everything that's happening and try to put it together in one cohesive story, understand how all of these different components are working and how they make this greater whole. Um, I think that that paradigm of thought has been something that, you know, well, of course, I didn't realize that as a kid. I just like going outside and like stepping in mud puddles, you know, like I quite, you know, I didn't quite realize that at a young age, but I think as I grew older, I sort of realized that that's always been a part of me is trying to solve puzzles and figure out how things work, why they work. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's always been, I've always been interested in science, like I said, since I was young. So did you, were you uh, like somebody that like liked school and you, you know, you tried really hard and you got good <laughs> yeah. grades? Oh yeah. It was a total <laughs> dork. Like, so, oh my God. I'm so, I mean, I am like, I am such a nerd. I, I did really well in school and, you know, I think I've, I like, this is going to sound like a really braggadocious perhaps, but I was always just sort of naturally good at most things like I was never really good at anything but I was like moderately good at most things so yeah I was the quintessential overachiever in you know middle school and high school like I did so oh my god so I played volleyball lacrosse captain of the lacrosse team um, like varsity all four years speech and debate went to nationals twice well I I qualified for nationals twice I didn't end up going the second time but that's another story um, and then I did I was part of the literary magazine like because I was like oh I gotta look well-rounded <laughs> so, which I was you know I was interested in poetry right because you know when you're a teenager you're like oh I'm like deep and brooding and I have like things to say oh, of course <laughs> like I have some of my poetry I'm like oh lord <laughs> I should burn that <laughs> uh but anyway yeah so you know straight A's um that all that nonsense oh my goodness yes <laughs> total <Yeah>. dork <laughs> I yeah I uh I I knew people like <laughs> I mean that's like I I used to think of it like like I, I have I have friends that are like not the smartest people. I have friends that are very smart, 
uh, and then I have friends that are like really good at school who mm-hmm. may be in either of those two camps. <laughs> oh yeah, no, for sure. There's definitely I, there are people who have both. I think I'm I think I'm one of the people that have both. I am at least semi intelligent, but I work hard. But there are definitely people that are just oh my gosh, brilliantly intelligent and don't have to work that hard. Or there are people who work their butt off and you know get good grades because they work so hard. So there's definitely they fall in both camps. But yeah, I guess I'm a kind of a weirdo that sort of falls in both. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, I, I like uh, school is just such a is a, such a weird thing. Like the, the idea of like I need to look more you know well rounded and like get you know <laughs> go to these certain clubs and do these things and you know be in charge of the school newspaper whatever it is like uh, it, it's the the whole thing is just so weird. Well, I always wanted to just do my best and be successful. And so whatever metrics there were of success, like whether or not it was grades or getting into a good school or, you know, getting a good review from a boss, it was always things like that that I always wanted to achieve. And I don't know, maybe this is like, oh, I put my self-worth in other people because I rely on them <laughs> to like tell me how good I am. I don't know. Maybe this is like some of my insecurities coming out. But uh, but that was something that always stood out to me. So I always just wanted to achieve and be better and do the best I can. And so that's part of the reason why I sort of felt like, oh, I should do all of these things, but I enjoy them, but also I know that they're going to help me long term. And so that's always sort of been part of my mentality is like, I'll push through something that maybe is not the most exciting thing for me, but I know it's good for me in the long run. So I'll do it anyway. So uh, so do you do you have trouble or did you have trouble when like if if you ever had a uh, like a non favorable review about something like did, were you the kind of person that would like really beat yourself up if you did yeah <laughs> yeah taking criticism is hard I mean I think it's hard for anybody um, I've definitely gotten better about it as I've gotten older but when I was younger it was really difficult um, because I just wanted to do a good job and it felt like my self worth was being devalued because someone else didn't see what I thought I was contributing. Um, but I've been able to, you know, realize, well, these criticisms are there to make you better. So if you really, truly want to be better, take those criticisms in stride. And yes, of course, you have the one day. So in science, we submit grants in order to get funding to do our research. And so sometimes you'll get grant reviews back or paper reviews back from a paper that you've read, you've written. Um, and there are, of course, negative criticisms. Um, but, you know, you have your one day of you know, oh, I'm going to eat ice cream and be sad. But then, you know, the next day, get up back up on that horse and and keep going. So that's what I've really tried to do. But yeah, as a kid, it was it was rough. (laughs) Were your parents like a a big part of, you know, like your academic achievement or anything like that? (laughs) No, (laughs) I was just a weirdly motivated kid. Like, so my mom was uh, my mom is an art professor or was she's retired now. So she was very hippie, artsy, um, very loving into, I mean, she, okay. She's the person who likes the idea of science, but doesn't actually like want to read a peer reviewed article. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So she's the type of person to be like, Liana, I heard this study that if you drink a glass of wine a day, blah, blah, (laughs) you know, but she's into home remedies and things like that. So she, she was very, um, very loving, very, you know, not particularly hands-on or pushing me to really achieve. And then my dad is, uh, he's actually a civil engineer and he, you know, you know, I don't know. I mean, he's an intense guy, but he never really pushed me to, 
you know, to, to achieve and to do better. Like I didn't have helicopter parents for sure. Um, and you know, my sister, let's see, my sister is nine and a half years older than me, you know, dropped out her freshman year of college. Um, you know, and my parents never, I don't think they treated us any differently. You know, she had a very different path. She ended up going back, getting her master's. Um, so she sort of found her way, but, but yeah, we were treated the same way. We just had two very different outcomes based on our unique personalities. So were you, were you, cause uh, like there were, in my school, it was kind of like, it was kind of like an academically, you know, advanced, I don't know, I don't know what you'd call it. It was, it was academically focused uh, school. And so a lot <laughs> of the like popular kids, so to speak, were the kids that were very smart and did very well. Oh. Um, was that not the case? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, to be 100% honest, I was really oblivious to pretty much everything until I like went to college my first couple of years of college. I really didn't understand clicks. I didn't really care. I was extremely confident. So I just didn't even notice. Like I, you know, I got insecure definitely when my work or something was being criticized or I couldn't perform at a level I thought I should be able to. But when it came to the social life, I was in my own world. I was a t- like, I was just happy and really carefree. I don't know. Oh, I was just sort of completely out of all of, you know, I didn't really deal with sort of the normal social drama that you deal with in high school. You know, there were friends that fought or whatever, but I was just, I was in my own world. I don't know. I was a space <laughs> cadet, I guess. <laughs> so you weren't like, uh, you weren't like a drama person, like no, uh, I guess that works no. both ways. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was not in drama. I mean, I guess I did speech and debate, but, uh, but I, um, no, I was I was not really into drama. You know, I had like some drama going on at home. And so I think I put a lot of focus in my schoolwork and sort of avoided in order to avoid a lot of that at home. And so I just really delved into everything school and like work related, like club related, I guess, when I was in high school. So, yeah. What, what kind of drama was at home? Um, so let's see, my parents got divorced when I was 16 years old, but it had been something that had been going on since I was little. So they, uh, they slept in different bedrooms and I remember doing things with one parent and then the other parent. So like I went on a road trip with my dad um, and then my mom, she was an artist and she taught in France every other summer and I would go with her and it would be just be me and her, just me and my dad um, since I was, I mean, since as early as I can remember. Um, and then, you know, it had sort of been this tumultuous struggle throughout, you know, since I was, since I can remember. Uh, and they had talked about separating when I was, uh, Uh, like 12 or 13. And then it was, I mean, it was just, it was a lot of drama. Um, And I think, I do think that that's part of the reason why I put so much work into school. Um, It's also part of the reason why I wanted to leave Colorado, which is where I grew up for college, because I essentially wanted to just get away from everything. Um, My, my, we had this, (laughs) we had this family friend, you know, who was like my mom's family friend who turns out, Oh, a little bit more in a family friend <laughs> later on. They're married now, super happy, good, like good for them. Um, but, but it was sort of part of the reason why my parents ended up getting divorced was it was my mom's 50th birthday and, uh, we were going to go to Hawaii for her birthday. So it was supposed to be me, my sister, my mom. Turns out this other guy was coming along 
And yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and so my my dad finds out. Of course, my dad's gonna find out. Like his two daughters, like one who's fifteen years old, is like going on this trip. Like, and and of course, like, oh my god, maybe this is part of my whole oblivion to every social thing that's going on around <laughs> me. But I was just like, yeah, I'm going with going with mom and Peter. Like, we're gonna go. And uh, and my dad was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, it's gonna be fun. Oh my god, I'm so oblivious to everything that goes on around me. Maybe this is why again I'm so interested in Big Brother cuz I'm like, oh, relationships, social <laughs> dynamics. They're like important. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so then as soon as we got back, my dad filed for divorce. Um, when I was it was my sophomore year. So so then after that, um my parents officially split up, moved um my mom moved out and uh and then I essentially spent like my junior and senior year sort of going back and forth between the two homes, which was also really hard um because I essentially spent um like one week with my mom, one week with my dad, but I was still you know doing all of these things, especially like you know speech and debate and lacrosse and and so I essentially just kind of like lived out of my car for most of it because it was easier than having to move stuff in and out of the different homes. Uh, and that was, you know, that was also really difficult. But by spending more time at school, I didn't have to spend as much time at home. So I think that was kind of part of the reason, you know, why, why? I don't know. I don't know. No, yeah, well, I, it makes <laughs> sense. I, I like uh, it's it's a hard thing. Like I, I dealt with that that as well. And like, I don't know, like for me, one of the biggest uh, issues or difficulties was uh and and i know this isn't something that that every divorced child goes through but like the animosity between the two parents and sort of like you know having the the back and forth and feeling like you're being used and uh like there's a lot of of stuff that can come along with it that can really uh make you feel like what is going on Yeah. And it's okay. So this is like Taryn therapy hour, which I know, you know, some of your shows get into, (laughs) into this, this kind of stuff. But, uh, but I think, I think also I, um, you know, I'm, and this happens with people who are really logical or think very logically because they feel emotions and they're, because sometimes there's no logical reason for an emotion or you don't understand at that moment why you're feeling that way. And that can really be difficult because I sometimes would feel angry or sad and I didn't immediately know the reason why. I mean, it turns out if I think about it, oh, there's probably some root to that issue, but you just sort of feel that emotion. And I am somebody who feels emotion strongly. And so that was always really difficult to grapple with because I was like, why am I so upset? I mean, maybe that was the hormones. It's, I mean, it still happens um, <laughs> now that I'm not a teenager anymore. Um, but but dealing with that and sort of understanding that. And I think my parents' divorce was was something that really sort of shoved all of that to the forefront to a point where I couldn't really bury it deep down and ignore it. Um, um, and it's something that I've sort of been dealing with since that since that time of really trying to rationally understand why I feel a certain way. Um, and that sort of shaped, I think, who I am. You know, a, a lot of it, even day to day things that happen in our lives can sort of cause this of something will happen and will make you feel a certain way. So, you know, for example, like, let's say. I don't know, let's say your uh, your cat scratches up some of your furniture or something like that. And so you might get mad about that and you just feel that really strong emotion. It's like, oh, well, it's because you paid so much money for the sofa. You want to keep it nice. I mean, that's a really simplified example, but that can sort of be extrapolated to a number of different other incidences, whether it be in your own personal relationships um, or with, um, you know, work, with school. Um, and so I think... 
just trying to to sort of really wrap your head around it's okay to feel these emotions and to not sort of feel like you have to make an excuse for it of like oh well you know all this other stuff is going it's like no 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 it's okay you're allowed to feel that way let's just take a step back when you you know have time to process and really try to figure out why i think it helps you understand who you are it helps you move forward interacting with other people like why you may always get mad when a certain thing happens like i know from my relationship history I've learned a lot about why does this certain thing piss me off that someone else does? <laughs> and like, sometimes it's me. <laughs> like, oh no, you know, it's like, oh, it's not me or it's not you. It's me. Whatever that excuse is like, mm-hmm. no, sometimes it is me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so just really understanding how those things affect you um, and then how you can really use them um, or interpret them moving forward. Yeah. Uh, did, did you like you, you said your sister was uh, a lot older. Did you have any interaction with her when, when the like divorce was happening? Like did, what was that my sister is yeah like I said nine and a half years older than me and so she moved out when I was like seven years old uh and so she had been out of the house but she she knew because she is a cognizant adult who is aware of social relationships that there was stuff going on at home and so she always invited me up to come stay with her uh and she she was with her long-term boyfriend at the time and she essentially told me when I was older that she wanted to show me what a stable relationship looked like or like what a normal relationship looked like because that's something I had really never observed in the home you know what I saw was what I thought was normal um and she she was really supportive and really caring um towards me I mean she was like another parent to me essentially and having her was was really useful I don't think I really appreciated it until later but having her care about me and then you know let me come and stay we would always get um we go to the corner store and we would get cokes and sour gummy worms so whenever I'm feeling bad I just go and buy a coke and sour gummy worms um because that makes me feel better so she was she was there and supportive um and I appreciated having her yeah, that I mean, that's that's uh, it's it's a nice thing to have, like uh, when when uh, especially when you're like when your home is such chaos, like to have something, some sort of external source of relief. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, th- there's just something about eating unhealthily that just makes people <laughs> feel better in the moment and then probably oh my worse gosh. a little that's, after. That's a, that's totally what I should do for my next uh, scientific <laughs> endeavor. I got to prove that Coke and sour gummy worms are good for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, as soon as as soon as I got a car in high school, I like anytime I was just like miserably sad, I would just drive to McDonald's and like just eat McDonald's in my car oh. <laughs> alone. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Everyone has their coping mechanisms. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's probably one of the reasons why I needed to get healthy when I got to college. <laughs> um, so, uh, so like, do you, did you, did you feel like you, do, do you feel like you ever like reached a point where you were like, you know what, I, I'm like able to process this now and I'm able to sort of like you know, move forward in any way? Or or do you still feel like it's just something that's that's clung to you? 
Uh, it's always been something that's been there. I think I never really stopped to process it. Um, I'm a person who I always like to have a lot of things going on. I've always been really busy. Um, and so my, yeah, I mean, never really stopping to process. I think it's something that it just sort of, it's almost like, um, when you sort of have something that hurts and you just kind of get used to it, I'm like, okay, it's there. Yeah. Um, I had one conversation with my mom once that, that did help a little bit. Um, but, but all in all, I mean, my, like my life has moved on, my parents' lives have moved on and you just sort of get used to the status quo, um, as things are. So I don't know, maybe that's, I need to come back for my Taryn show 2.0 as we process Liana going through her parents' divorce. <laughs> Taryn, the therapist, I'm giving you homework for the next Taryn show. Um, <laughs> I will do that homework. I promise you. My overachieving personality. <laughs> See, I've already figured done. out how to, how to break through to you. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so I imagine you felt very similarly uh, to me when you went off to college. Like, I, yes, this is an escape. I am, I'm getting away. I'm starting uh, on my own. Like that must have been great. Yes. Oh my gosh. So my college experience, uh, my college experience was really unique. So I went to, like I said, Harvey Mudd College. It's a really small science and engineering school in Southern California. And uh, I remember visiting um, because I had, when we were visiting colleges, so originally I thought I wanted to go to Caltech and my mom and I went and visited Caltech and I hated it. Like it, okay. I'm a weirdo, but it felt weird to me <laughs> being there. So I was really disappointed. I didn't know what I was going to do. Cause I had a, was, was going to originally apply early decision. Uh, and, a, f- a family friend of ours, actual family friend this time, um, <laughs> he suggested going and seeing Harvey Mudd. And so we went there and I remember the dorm that I ended up living in which i love to death it's pretty much a frat house but it was insane they had toilet seats hung up like along their balcony and i remember thinking what is like this is so weird and it's like total debauchery uh they had a big we quit sign that they had stolen from somewhere i found out later uh and i told my mom i was like mom i want to go here <laughs> like are you sure sure you want to go there my dad my dad went to princeton so he's like trying to get me to go to Princeton, or like you know showing me like oh have you considered ivy league schools like Mm -hmm. no dad (laughs) i'm gonna go party in southern california (laughs) so i uh yeah so i went to i went to harvey mudd and i was placed in this dorm um west dorm which is like i said pretty much a frat it was so much fun I have done so many things that I never would have done in my life if I had never gone to this school. So you have to understand, these are all super smart, super high achieving students, but just in their free time, like to do outrageous things. So we work, you know, 18 hour days, but then we'll take our fall break to go drive a bus that we bought, a school bus. The dorm bought a school bus, removed half the seats. So technically classified as an RV, so we could get it insured and we could drive it, drove it up to Joshua Tree, locked all the windows, smoked a bunch of weed, hotboxed the the bus and just like stared up at the stars. I got to drive the bus, which was super cool. So you can imagine driving this like rickety old 1983 school bus on the highway. Like I have done so many insane things because of this. In the meantime, graduating with honors, departmental honors, working to pay for college. It was an insane experience. I was very, uh, I was, I tried so many things that I, 
you know, I'm happy that I did. I'm happy now to be removed from it and to be in a little bit more calm, stable environment. Um, but I really don't know how I survived undergrad. I mean, I think we worked. I mean, I remember I took so at Harvey Mudd, you take uh, essentially a core classes. So everybody takes like two years of math, two years of physics, a year of chemistry, biology, computer science, engineering. Then you get into your specific major, which for me was engineering. And I remember taking this one engineering math class. We would start working on the problem sets Tuesday night, uh, stay up all night Thursday, like work Tuesday night, Wednesday night, stay up all night Thursday to turn them in on Friday, and then would go drink like insane people on the weekends. So that was my life for at least three-ish years, and it was it was insane. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel like that's that's what happens to a lot of people when they go to college, right? Like you, I mean, that's that's you know one of the points I think that that some people uh, consider uh, of college um, mm -hmm. was that like. Do you feel did you like jump in right away because that's that was such a departure from, you know, who you were in high school? Is that just like you were like, all right, let's do this. Yeah, I mean, I think I've always had a want to to do things and to try things. And so, you know, I didn't I didn't drink a whole lot when I was in high school. I think I drank for the first time when I was 16. Um but it was never something that I did a lot of. Um, and then when I got to college, just trying lots of drugs and drinking lots of things and doing all of these experiences that uh, I was exposed to. And I was just like, all right, let's try it. I mean, I, I don't know if this was a result of what had happened to me in high school or the fact that I was now sort of felt free to do all these things. But I was still, I mean, it was still me at my core. I still wanted to achieve and do do all the things. Um, I was uh, president of my dorm my junior year. I was proctor my senior year, which is sort of like an RA, but uh, a little bit more lenient because I had insane people living in my dorm, like breaking bottles. And we had this Coke machine we called Not Coke, and it dispensed beer, which I'm like trying to hide from the administration. It was, oh my gosh, it was crazy. We also did this thing called Beer Tour, where we would like go to all the five campuses. And essentially as a proctor, it was me and my best friend at the time. And he and I would like usher around a bunch of drunk people to like all these different spots on campus to drink. And so I was doing all of these crazy things while still, you know, I did, um, I did research for three and a half years with corneal tissue engineering. I just, I did a lot. God, I'm exhausted just talking about it. <laughs> I don't know how I did that. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know if that's related to anything. Maybe this is part of we'll get into this like next time. <laughs> uh, really, Liana, the reason for your acting out in college was due to blah, 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 blah. Well, I mean, to be fair, I think I think that's that's sort of like a common like meeting point. Like, I, you know, people can talk about all sorts of different childhoods, but I feel like a lot of people meet uh, at, at like a common point in college where they're just like, OK, this is where I start, you know, experimenting and going crazy and, and, and mm -hmm. doing a bunch of things, uh, which is interesting to me because that is not a point that I arrived <laughs> at. Um, uh, but like, did, did, did like, like, did it feel like it uh, like it opened up like possibilities or like 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 or, or did it feel like those possibilities were why you were doing it in the first place? Uh, no, I think it's because those possibilities is why I was doing it in the first place. Like I wanted to try a lot of different things and had an opportunity to do so. So I took it. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that it was 
or at least when I, you know, when I was going through this process, I never felt like it was, oh, I'm rebelling against my parents or, um, you know, I'm doing this because I've always been a good girl and like I've, now I'm going to be bad. I don't know. God, that sounds awful. Cut that. Anyway, uh, so it was just uh, it, was, it was just because I, I don't know, I wanted to try it and it was it was fun. I mean, I'm really happy. I think I this was still at a time where I was extremely confident. Um, I think my confidence has been shaken um, after going through college and then my sort of post-college experience. Um, I had sort of, I would call it a blind confidence for sure. And I was just like, yeah, nothing bad's ever going to happen to me. Like, let's do it. <laughs> and we're just going to try all these things. So that's sort of, I think, what it was rooted in. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, what what broke your confidence? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was sort of a series of things. I think you know, as you go through life, right? Like, and I'm still young, so what do I know? Um, But you get beat up, you go through a series of experiences where things don't go the way that you kind of think that they should or could. Um, And I've always been successful in my academics, but my personal life has has been a little rocky. Um, So my when I was a freshman, I met my then boyfriend, uh, now ex-husband. So that turned out well. Um, and so, you know, he was, I, at the time was, and I've talked a little bit about this on the RuPaul's Drag Race podcast, but, um, my freshman and sophomore year, I was dealing with an eating disorder and part of that, I like, again, we can, I don't look, somebody can analyze me at some point and go over the psychological reasons for all the problems in my life. I don't know if it's like because my work life was always going so well and school life was always going so well, but there was a part of me that felt, um, felt like I, while I was succeeding in one element of my life, I didn't really have a handle on my personal psyche and sort of, again, understanding my emotions. And so I felt, I would feel really strong emotions of like, why can't I understand this problem set or you know, like, why, why is this guy not talking to me? Or why, you know, I don't know, whatever it was, social or school. And it's sort of manifested in disordered eating. And, um, and that was really tough. But it was, you know, disordered eating is part of it, depending on how it manifests can be, yes, about body image issues. But a lot of it is about control, and sort of feeling like, I don't have control over these elements of my life, but I do have, or my emotions, but I have control over what I put, what I do or do not put in my body. And that was a way for me to feel like I had control over elements of my life when I was lacking control in others. Uh, and the, the guy I started dating who I ended up marrying, um, he was extremely understanding and kind and helped me deal through all of these issues. Um, so we were, you know, we were together my freshman and sophomore, or part of my freshman and sophomore year. And then, um, then we started sort of having our issues. So it was like a combination of like Liana physical drama and then relationship drama. We were kind of off and on for a while. Um, he graduated a year before me and left to go to medical school and I that my senior year was really, really tough because I was dealing with not having my support system. 
I was dealing with the insane people that I live with, which at this time I had sort of progressed through the like, all right, I'm done trying all these things. Now I'm like, I'm over it, (laughs) but I need to take care of the insane people that do because I still love them. So I was proctoring, trying to take care of them. And then also just figuring out what it is I wanted to do with my life. Because although I had these grand plans to be a meteorologist when I was a kid, when it really came time to making a decision about what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, I had no idea. I had always, my life goal had always been to go to college, which I think for a lot of sort of younger, like young, high achieving people, that can be sort of the goal. Um, Or maybe it's law school or med school or whatever that case may be. Uh, But for me, it was to go to college. So I was majoring in general engineering. So there were a lot of different paths that I could take. Um, And I was trying to figure all that out, apply for jobs, still finish all my course requirements. Um, And so my senior year was was really rough. So when I when I got closer to the end, and I was trying to make a decision about whether or not I actually wanted to go into software management, like project management for computer science um, projects, or stay in research, which I had done corneal tissue engineering for my three and a half years, at least um, of undergrad. I did the thing that I told myself I would never do. I followed a boy, <laughs> which I had been, and especially after my parents' divorce, I was like, I'm never going to let a relationship dictate my, my my behavior. Nope, psych. I took a research position in New Orleans to be with my um, then boyfriend, uh, and uh, and that was sort of that's that was sort of where I started into the next part of my life, I guess. Yeah. What? Well, so this is the same guy that you had been dating yes. off and on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we had. Yeah. So we'd gotten together my freshman year and had kind of been off and on uh followed him told myself i'd never do uh and uh and then yeah we like i i think it was because i still the research position i took was a sort of temporary one-year position because i was still going to try to figure out okay is research really what i want to do um but I think I still it carried over this feeling of just being lost and not really having a life goal um, when I moved to New Orleans. And so I had this person who had really always been supportive and who had always been there for me. And that was when I made the decision that we were like, OK, well, like, let's get married. <laughs> so that happened. <laughs> well, like, I, like I, I mean, I think I can kind of like understand like especially somebody who you know when when your home feels like a battleground when your home feels like something that's so unsteady and you go off to college and it's like this is your your chance to to be free of that and like mm-hmm. build your own new thing and so once you once you feel like you've gotten it once you feel like like this is now your support system it's not something that like has the these strong roots back home that you can like oh well this is a branch of a support system that i can just break off and build a new one this is like mm-hmm. this is like the new foundation um it it can you can feel a lot more reliant on it yeah oh my gosh totally and i think that that was part of the thing was like after i had left i was like Psh, my family i don't need my family um and my family had never been one to be emotional and really talk about things or talk about our problems it was always you sweep it under the rug and no one talks about it kind of deal so i never really felt like oh this was my support system and so you know kind of like you mentioned i had now developed this new support system which was literally my entire support system and uh because Again, maybe this is me putting my self-worth and relying on others to make myself feel better, but I couldn't do that myself. Like I, 
it was really hard for me to support myself. I was dealing with all of these issues and having another person just hold me and tell me it was going to be okay. Like that was so, that's so important for me to have. And, and so, yeah, I mean, that was what dictated my decision-making after, after I left undergrad. So, so how, how did the decision to get married happen? Like, was it, was it a combined thing? Was it, was there a proposal? Yeah. Oh my God. This is so funny talking about it. Okay. (laughs) So, so I don't, okay. So first of all, I don't like, I don't think I don't talk about this. So Taryn show listeners, this is an exclusive. (laughs) Exclusive. You're welcome. (laughs) Are happening four years ago. Um, so, so yeah, I, you know, I moved down there and his so his family's from Louisiana or at least they're living in Louisiana and they were very traditional um like insane sometimes <laughs> now that I think about it like okay so his sister who is older than him met a guy on like a Christian dating website got the first time they kissed is when they got engaged <sighs> And then they got engaged five months after they met and then got married like a month later or two months later or something like that. So they are and she I mean, she's pretty extreme in their family. So I wouldn't say they're all like that. So my my husband, ex-husband was was much better about the whole thing. But there was a lot of pressure from his family um, about, okay, well, you're with this woman now, you know, like this is this is what you do now. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, we had talked about it. We had made a decision jointly that this is something that we thought would be a good idea moving forward. Um, And so, yeah. Oh, my God. He proposed. There was a ring. (laughs) oh god it's so silly it was definitely storybook-esque we like walked out to this place that we had had a picnic at you know one of the first times i was in new orleans and um and yeah and and he proposed and uh and then for we our engagement was only four or five months um and then we got married I hated wedding planning. I'm so sorry for everyone out there who's like, oh my gosh, weddings are so beautiful. I love planning weddings. Oh my God. I was so bad at it. So I remember I was on the phone once with my now ex-mother-in-law and she was telling me, what kind of cake do you want? And, uh, and I was like, I don't know, the normal kind. <laughs> and a girl who was working with me, she was sitting right behind me and she had just planned her wedding. She's like, Liana, are you kidding me? You can choose between <laughs> vanilla and almond and blah, blah, blah. And she listed off all these options. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm so bad at this. Oh, my gosh. I literally I was just wanting to elope or whatever. I was not having the whole wedding process. But the one thing I did care about because I'm a weird overachiever is we're going to marriage counseling because I'm making sure that if I'm going to get married, we're making the right decision. (laughs) We saw two different counselors for multiple sessions because I was like, I want to make sure that this is all good. (laughs) Oh, my God. Really, Liana? I think about this now in retrospect. And honestly, I just laugh. So I moved up here to I'm now working in New Haven. And I found some of our old like profiles <laughs> and going down to some of the issues. It's like, oh, those were our issues. <laughs> they showed up. I think, you know, there's this quote from Bo- the TV show Bojack Horseman. But it's, you know, when you look at the world through rose colored glasses, all the red flags just look like flags. Yeah. And I think that we there were some things that we should have seen in retrospect. But we loved each other. He was so supportive of me. I was at a time in my life where I had no idea what I was doing. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, despite all of those things, we went through with it. Um, it was a beautiful ceremony. <laughs> Our uh, priest looked like Elvis. So that <laughs> like was intentionally cool. or unintentionally? Yeah, intentionally. No, he's awesome. He's actually super cool. His name is Ray Kanata. He's the best. He um, he actually is in a crew in New Orleans called the Rolling Elvi, and they all dress up like Elvis. So I forgot it was New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was all in New Orleans, by the way. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I mean, and then we went through with it and, uh, didn't work. Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, what, what were the red flags that you should have seen? Do you think? Well, so we, despite the fact that we actually communicate really well, um, and had communicated really well. And I mean, even as we were, I think part of dealing with all of the issues that we had to deal with, we, um, learned to even communicate better. Um, and, but despite all of that and loving each other and caring about each other, we had really different ideas about how we wanted our lives to progress. He was very family oriented, wanted to settle down, stay in one place, have kids. He's a doctor. Uh, so he would be, uh, you know, he was always open to me working. But, you know, in his mind, he was the primary breadwinner, which, you know, he makes way more money than I ever will. So uh, financially, that makes sense. But me being stubborn me, I've always been about achieving in school and work. And I had always seen myself working. I had, you know, I never, uh, I never really wanted to have kids or anything like that. I mean, it was never a priority for me. I'm not saying that it's never going to happen, but, uh, that wasn't my priority. Whereas for him, that was his priority. And so for the first, you know, first year, year and a half, things were fine. Cause I had started my PhD program. I was really happy. I had finally found something that I had loved and I loved doing. Um, and you know, he was, he had finished medical school and was starting his residency and, uh, and then, you know, then the conversation started happening about like, so, so, you know, you want to go be independent and do your own thing, but he wanted us to go do things as a couple. And, oh my God, so, like no offense to people who enjoy this. If, if Be happy however you want to be happy, but couple shit drives me <laughs> insane. Oh my God. I never want to, oh my gosh, we're having a couple's dinner party. <laughs> I'm, and maybe this is my antisocial behavior, but I don't enjoy things like that. Um, you know, and his, his complaint was, well, we never like go out and do anything. And I was like, no, I go out and do stuff with my friends, but you always want to do stuff as a couple. I have told you a million times you can go hang out with your friends anyway. So there was, I mean, that's like a minutia of our lives, but I mean, I think it's sort of an example of this broader, uh, mentality of how he wanted to live this communal family oriented life. And mm -hmm. I was extremely independent uh stubbornly so and uh and i mean eventually those just really started tearing us apart and it got to a point where essentially we made a decision where it's like look we can try to stay together we can try to make this work but we think that one of us is going to end up resenting the other person and being really unhappy because we can't really come to a compromise on a lot of these things and we've really tried to come to a compromise i mean again our beneficial communication skills like helped and uh or good communication skill helped and uh and so yeah i mean it was it was really tough and the decision 
happened over a long period of time because it was never like one incident. Oh, someone cheated or, you know, you did this one thing that was bad. It was just and it wasn't even us necessarily growing apart. I mean, we were still friends, but it was just sort of realizing that our lives don't go together like these pieces don't fit. So why are we trying to force them? And, you know, I got married at the ripe old age of 23. Like I just <laughs> turned 23. Um, you know, we got divorced when I was 26. So it's not, you know, it's not like it ended up. Uh, I mean, the the decision was like, it's like that sunken cost fallacy yeah. or whatever. Like you've already put so much money. Oh, God, that sounds so terse talking about a relationship that way. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it was look, this isn't going to work long term. So we might as well just separate. So that was the decision. Was it, was it I mean, I imagine it was like a hard decision to make like um like yeah. you, <laughs> <laughs> oh this is fun this is gonna test your interview skills taryn <laughs> like, you talk about somebody who's just talking about their divorce that literally like just happened <laughs> uh, how, a couple months ago how, was 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 it how long ago was it um we filed the paperwork last year so it was extremely recent i mean that's honestly and this is gonna this is gonna sound ridiculous but that's part of the reason why i applied for so you think you can podcast because i was like you know what i have been not doing these things that i want to do and not that i was like oh my gosh i need to be an lfc but i f- i felt like i was trying to cater to what his needs were and of course you have to compromise in a relationship it shouldn't just all be about you but it felt like so much that i was neglecting parts of me that I cared about and wanted to nurture. And so sort of by ignoring, uh, you know, parts of this relationship, it sort of allowed me to go on and do things that I personally was interested in. So was it was it the kind of thing that was like, like, did did you have a, a reluctance to going through with it and like finalizing it? Like, were there things that were like trying to hold you back? or or was it should i say yes no the uh, no honestly i mean i think that part of the reason because the decision had been over i mean we started having problems pretty much after the first year Mm -hmm. and so the it it took a while um to sort of come to that decision but over the course of it you know he and i had had a number of very lengthy conversations about everything that had happened or everything that was going on, how he felt, how I felt. And it like both of us trying to compromise for the other person, both of us were unhappy and to, uh, and like, we don't want to be depressed or live our lives in a way that causes us to be unhappy. Right. I mean, the benefit of the relationship was not worth what we felt like we had to give up. Um, and so by the time we decided to actually file the paperwork, um, I mean, it was actually very like he and I are still on talking terms, um, very cordial. Um, we actually so we had a lawyer draw up the paperwork, but, you know, and the so he calls and he's talking to this woman, the lawyer. He's like, yeah, can my uh, can my wife come? She's like, oh, mm, I only represent one person. He was like, no, 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 it's cool. We're on good terms. <laughs> Like, it's very amicable. I mean, it was like the paperwork was essentially filed in a day. We didn't have that many assets to, you know, separate out. The biggest thing was, was like, all right, I got the cats because they're mine <laughs> and I love them. <laughs> um, the big, some of the biggest debates we had were there were these pans that he and I both loved. <laughs> they're probably <laughs> worth maybe $60 at Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> like, oh, no, I really want the pans. Oh, really? Well, I want the pans. <laughs> so, I mean, again. Again, I, you know, it was a traumatic experience, and but I think uh, I'm happy that it didn't end up 
coming to some sort of major altercation in the end. Um, and really the process was relatively smooth. Um, I think it taught me a lot about relationships. It taught me a lot about communicating, um, and it taught me a lot about myself, what it is that I need in a support system, what it is that uh, I can handle on my own. Because I think I had been so used to sort of putting, especially through undergrad, uh, putting a lot of, um, what's the word? I don't know. Like it was, I just relied so much, I guess, on having an external person be my support system. And so learning to then now be my own support system um, and sort of reconnecting with my family a little bit more, especially my sister. Uh, I think that has been has been good. So, you know, I, you know, do I say I regret what happened? I mean, it sucked, but honestly, I think I'm a better person for it. And I think I learned a lot because of that experience. Yeah. So like, does it does it feel like the uh the, the gates have been opened and uh like you're off to college once again like you you have the freedom but now with more wisdom and experience to know where to go oh my god yes i will not be making the same mistakes i did when i went to undergrad no uh yeah definitely i would say that being so it was a combination of um, so we fought like we had filed before I had defended my PhD. Um, but having both that done and over with and having my PhD done and over with and then moving, you know, we drove my mom and I drove through 12 states to get here from Louisiana. It was so cathartic and it felt like I was getting a chance to start anew and I ended up not keeping a lot of the furniture that I had had, a lot of the things I got rid of because I, you know, not that, again, I should put worth in like the things I own, but it like, the, well, so we're recording a video, so y'all can't see this who's listening, but I have a new bed, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was, it does, it sort of feels like a weird rebirth moment uh, to now be free in so many different ways and to, to be on back on a path that I'm excited about. I think for the first time since having this goal of going to undergrad, I feel like I know what I want to do with my life and I feel like myself again. And it took, you know, nine years to get back here, but I feel good. And, you know, when you asked me to do this, I'm happy you asked me now versus any other time in my life, because I just feel really good about my future and about things moving forward. Uh, because, you know, dealing with all of this, all of these things that I've had to, to tackle in the past, they all now feel behind me. And to look back and to be able to do, oh, this is the Ileana retrospective <laughs> on her life. We're going to break down. <laughs> um, I, I do. I apply that like weird analytic mindset to everything that's happened in my life and not that I understand most of the things, but, but yeah, it feels good. It does. It does definitely feel like a rebirth. Yeah. So this, this interview could have been just like, oh, everything sucks. It's just. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. If you had asked me to do this interview in no, like November, oh my God. Cause that's when I was like, I was finishing up all my papers. I was defending my thesis. I was trying to, thankfully I'd had it. I had the offer at the time was trying to find a place to move. Oh my goodness. It was absolutely chaotic. It would have actually just been this entire time, but me just crying and <laughs> just telling me it's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this is much better. It'll be I believe. all right, Liana, I promise. Um, 
<laughs> so what was that like uh it seems like you know if you were with this guy from from freshman year of college was this like your only like real relationship that you that you'd had yeah i mean i would say that it was sort of my longest serious relationship um i had been with a guy so we had started dating sort of end tail end of my freshman year so I had been with a, a couple guy, like saw a guy for a couple months during my freshman year, but you know, a couple month relationship, like what is yeah. that? So, uh, and then when Noah and I took a break once, um, and, uh, for, for a little while and I was seeing another guy then, um, but you know, again, it was, it never felt like anything serious. So I would say, yeah, that I'm, that's been my only real relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Are you... Are you uh, like excited or nervous about the prospect of like, like what, where do you go from here? (laughs) Oh man, this is going to sound like I'm a total whore. (laughs) I'm super excited to have sex with other people. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, Anyway, uh, that's no, that's a, you know, that's a minor element of everything. No, I, I am nervous. Um, I think also because there's sort of an element of me that feels like, you know, oh, she's got a history. She's got damaged goods, you know, because it's one thing to be in a relationship for eight years. But when I tell people like, oh, no, my ex-husband or like when I was married, everybody mm-hmm. does that face. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so, you know, I and and I mean, the, I think the fact that it has happened relatively recently, you know, maybe once a couple of years has passed, maybe it'll get a little better. Uh, but definitely, you know, to be so young and to have gone through something like that, I think that that is makes people kind of take a step backwards a little bit um, when they're talking to me. So obviously, I mean, obviously, I haven't really been on like any major dates or anything like that. I've been exceptionally busy, but not on, on uh, Tinder yet. Not on. T- oh, my God. I actually <laughs> thought about that the other day. It's like, oh, my gosh, I can download Tinder. <laughs> Like, this is the most exciting thing in my life right now. Like, Liana, no, come on. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, right. Of course, I'm not going to lead with that. But eventually, when I do get into a more serious relationship, which I hope to do, I, I, for me, relationships, I like picking one or two people and being really close with that person. So um, friends, and then obviously, my <laughs> relationship is usually only one person. <laughs> um, well, hey, you know. Yeah, teach, teach her own. Teach her own. Um, uh, so yeah, so I pick somebody that I, I really try to form a strong connection with. And uh, when that starts to happen again, yeah, I do have reservations about talking about the situation and sort of how one, how that's going to impact my behavior in the relationship, but then also obviously how that other person is going to receive that information, right? Because whatever perceptions they have, um, how that may change how they feel about me. And then also, again, looking at myself and thinking, okay, how am I behaving differently because I've had this really bad experience? Am I going to be more hesitant to get into something serious, more guarded? You know, these are things that I'm thinking about. I don't know how they're going to manifest, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, definitely it's something that's on my mind. Yeah. So like if, I mean, do you like, do you think that the perception that people may have you know, you having been through this experience, having an ex-husband, something like that, like, do you think that's a fair perception? Do you think that you would also have that perception if you met a guy that was like, oh, yeah, my ex-wife? I mean, I've been through it. So I think the fact that I've experienced it um, makes me not like I don't to hear that. That doesn't really bother me. Um, I would just want to learn about the situation because I think and, you know, so different people put uh, different stock in what marriage means. Right. right? So 
uh, it can mean, you know, signing that piece of paper, even though it is just a piece of paper. Well, it's a commitment and people feel like you took a step forward. I mean, it's a bigger step than just, you know, dating or seeing another person. Uh, for me, maybe because of my previous experiences of my parents getting divorced, I never really put put that much stock in marriage. For me, again, it's like it's a piece of paper. Right. You just <laughs> sign it. And then for some reason, you're legally bound to another person. Um, so so for me, maybe that's just that's because my perception. But I understand that other people have different ways of viewing it. Um, and so for somebody to hear, oh, I got married, that means that I made a commitment that I couldn't stick to or that I backed out of. And so that can... I think that can have an, uh, uh, the the visuals of me being flaky or being indecisive or saying things that then ultimately I don't really mean. Um, so I think what I'm realizing is now, if I ever get serious with a guy, I'm going to have him listen to this interview. <laughs> I'll be like, no, 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 don't worry. It's all explained. <laughs> Taryn and I really get into it. <laughs> Dating Liana a, a primer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is what you need to know if you ever want to date me. <laughs> you, heard, you, you heard it, uh, uh, you know, eager listeners. <laughs> Yeah, I'll now be taking applications. Yeah. <laughs> At Liana Boris on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so, um, well, do you do you feel like because I, I feel like maybe this is the case that like people who had divorced parents will probably view marriage as in in a lesser sense than than people who had parents that stayed together, at least like on a general scale. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's some study out there that talks about that. There's probably statistics. <laughs> there's probably, yeah. I'm a scientist. I feel like I should look that up. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think you... I don't... <clears throat> so I don't know if it was the divorce necessarily, um, but I think it was just the fact that my parents were, when I was cognizant, were never really together. Mm. And that's kind of what my sister was trying to show me. Like, look, this is what a normal relationship looks like. We do things together. <laughs> yeah. Like my parents never did things together. And so maybe then that was my expectation was we had gotten married and I was still going to go be independent and do my own thing. Because in my mind, maybe that's how couples who were together and were married behaved. You know, you didn't do things together. Like, I'm sorry, you want me to go watch your soccer game? Like, <laughs> I got work to do, <laughs> which I know sounds super insensitive and I should be supportive. But that's just I mean, in the early days of our relationship, that's how I would behave because I was like, what? I don't want to do that. Well, like you called yourself stubborn a few times. Do you really feel like yes. you are a stubborn person? Uh, I um, it's hard because I will try to accommodate the people around me. I will flip my schedule around if it means being able to work everything in. But I think that for me is an efficiency thing. Like I like being busy and I try to like book my day. So for example, today I left the house at eight to go poke things with a stick, a super expensive stick. I came home, I jumped on the computer. I'm recording this with you right after I'm recording RuPaul's Drag Race. So like my whole day is pretty much booked on a Saturday. Um, and so I think as far as was accommodating other people, yeah, being stubborn. So <laughs> uh, apparently rambling should I should also add to my list of traits. Um, so being able to accommodate other people and, you know, not be stubborn and really try to get everything in. I think that just has to do with me just wanting to be efficient and make the best use of my time. But when it comes down to it, I, I don't like being told what to do. Um, 
And if I think it makes the most sense, I will do it. But if somebody just outright says, no, I want you to do this. And then I say, well, why? It's like, well, because I want you to do this. Oh, honey, no, 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 no. That doesn't happen. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's stubborn. I'm. I am one hundred percent the same way. Okay, then maybe I'm not stubborn. <laughs> I like because like I was always the person that like like in school they'd be like these are the rules and you have to follow them and I'd be like but why are they the rules? <laughs> they'd be like you don't have to understand them in order to follow them and I'm like that's not true. <laughs> Yeah, like you need to know why. Like I, oh. even even like motivation. Like I I just will not feel motivated to do something unless I know the reason why I'm doing it. It's mm. it's like like just I am not the kind of person you cannot just tell me just just do it. Trust me. Like no, tell yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally feel you. I'm the exact same way. Um and I think I think that's also why, you know, because they there's sometimes and in research, this is definitely the case where there are students who did really well in school because they did all the things that their professor said they should. They followed the rubrics. And then you actually get to research and research is you there's no there's no rubric. There's nothing that you have to do. Everything is motivated by a reason. Right. It's always OK. I'm doing this for this reason. I have to research this because of this. And it's very self-motivated and it's very much you need to understand why you're doing it in order to do it. It's not just you can't just follow the rules. You can't just go along with what is being said. Um, and so there are students who sort of can maybe not do or do really well in school, but then do a lot better in research. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why I like research, because it is all about you have to do it because you need to know why it's important you don't just do things for the sake of doing them like you're doing this assay for a specific reason you're reading this paper for a specific reason so that was kind of tangentially related but anyway <laughs> no I, well, I just like it was something i i noticed because you kept uh especially like when you were talking about your your relationship you kept talking about like I, i'm stubbornly independent um yeah. but it, i don't know i i, I just got the sense that like maybe you have that perception because of the issues in your relationship but i don't know if necessarily feel that maybe you are that stubborn maybe it's just it was just an yeah. incompatibility maybe if i uh, would compare me to brent i'm certainly <laughs> not stubborn so love you talk to you in like an hour um uh yeah i i guess i guess maybe that is the case i think i've um i guess maybe stubborn is not the right word but strong-willed mm -hmm. um and i will fight for what i think is the correct way to do something um so, yes. So, like, for example, oh, my God. Okay. So, my husband, ex-husband now, <laughs> cleaning, he would clean the floors and then do the countertops. And I was like, again, this is part of the prime run. If you ever want to date Liana, don't do the floors and the countertops because you knock stuff off the countertops that will then fall on the floors. Work from top to bottom. <laughs> so, in my mind, that was me being stubborn. But maybe that's me just being strong-willed about the proper way to clean something. Yeah, see, I, I mean, maybe we're just both stubborn, but I, <laughs> I, am, I feel like that is complete. I feel like right makes right or whatever. No, that's not the saying, but it's close. Was that supposed to be like two wrongs don't make a right? Or no, something I think like it was that? supposed to be might rakes might makes right, but uh, <laughs> but it's the complete opposite of that. <laughs> right makes right. You should whatever makes the most sense is what you should do. It doesn't make sense to intentionally do something that doesn't make sense. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Actually, so. Um, 
can cut that out later. Okay, so I got this book. My dad got me, or no, yeah, I got this book. I heard it on NPR. It's called Predictably Irrational. And essentially, it's about how, why people do irrational things, but they do them for some reason in the same way. So, yes, uh, we all need to take a look and think about why we make decisions that we do, because sometimes we're acting irrationally and everybody does the same thing, but it's not the way to do things. <laughs> all right, this is like Taryn and Leanna Preacher Hour. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Listen, one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast was to uh, to pr- you know promote good and positive things into the world and make <laughs> a change and 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 let people explore things. And one of those things is that uh, right makes right. That's that's, that's my new slogan. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, that needs to be your slogan. If you ever run for any sort of political office, can you please put that on a bumper sticker? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait for all the 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 people who are gonna hate right makes right when it's on a hat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Make America right again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's great imagery. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so like, what are your what are your plans now? You 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 just see, like everything's come together. You you feel confident. You you're you're moving toward the future. What is the future for Liana? Well, I, uh, I mean, I want to stay in research. So my current plan is to try to apply for academic positions. So for most academic positions, you have to do what's called a postdoc, which is essentially you finish your PhD, you go do this like... It's sort of, I remember my, my advisor in um, my PhD, she said it's sort of like the teenagers of the academic world, because as a, uh, a PhD student, you're kind of like a kid and you get, you know, your PI takes care of you, your advisor takes care of you, um, and you get independence, but not that much independence. And then as a postdoc, you don't really have to be financially responsible for a lot of the things you do, but you get to sort of just like run wild and you get a lot more freedom. Um, um, but you're not truly responsible or on the hook for all the grants. So I get to do this fun thing for at least a couple of years. And then, uh, and then, yeah, I'm going to try to apply to be a faculty member somewhere teaching. So uh, I'm currently at the Cardiovascular Research Institute here at Yale. So there, it's really interdisciplinary, but I'll probably go back to biomedical engineering for my faculty position. And one day I will be teaching the youths all about biomedical engineering and then who knows maybe a little bit on uh, right makes right <laughs> <laughs> and, and you'll incorporate like big brother into it somehow right yeah. oh my gosh of course yeah i mean that's the other thing is now being so entrenched in the podcasting community and the rhap community which i'm incredibly thankful for i think you know like i mentioned before part of the reason why i applied for so you think was because i wanted to sort of do me and get back into or, or do things that that I really wanted to do. And this was also, it was a, a risk I felt, uh, but I wanted to do it. I wanted to see, you know, can I do what Taryn does? <laughs> <laughs> Turns out no, because I lost, but <laughs> I still get to, you know, show up. People let me talk from time to time. And it's, I've been incredibly thankful for all of the you know, positive feedback that I've heard. And everybody has been so open and welcoming. And I've gone to a couple live RHAP events now. I went to the one in Toronto, the one in Austin. I'm excited. I'm going to be the one in Boston. All right. Um, and meeting everybody. I, I mean, you know, talk about a community that is is so interesting and and so fun and i'm really happy that that is also a a big part of my life yes uh, well we're we're very happy to have you 
Hooray. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody likes Liana Saturdays. I wish there was a day that started with L so we could have alliteration, but it just doesn't work out that way. Uh, we'll have to petition to change one of the days of the week. Liana Latter Days. Liana Latter Days. <laughs> no. <laughs> Shut it down. No. <laughs> um uh not like not like latter-day saints like ladders like like ladders it's the day of ladders constantly climbing you know just working our way up to the top that's what we do (laughs) um so i mean like did did you uh had had you always been into big brother like since you were a kid (laughs) no so part of my mom's like hippy dippy attitude was that we didn't watch tv oh of course but we just didn't watch broadcast TV. Like, I could watch VHS tapes of TV shows, and for some reason, that was okay. So, I grew up watching... Like airwaves uh, look, didn't get, like, messed with your brain or something? Like... <laughs> right, exactly. I don't know. I owe my mom a tinfoil hat for her birthday. <laughs> um, no, it, so I grew up watching, um, like, Monty Python's Flying Circus, um, In Living Color, like, Chris Elliott's Get a Life. I mean, it was... A, it was a really weird assortment of things. Mystery science theater, um, you know, anything airplane, um, naked gun, uh, related. So all of that stuff I got to watch growing up. So, which is maybe why I have a very bizarre sense of humor is because it was all shaped by nothing that was remotely popular at that time. At least the only shows I remember my parents got divorced, um, because I would get to go to my dad's and I would get to watch TV of my dad's. (laughs) So we watched arrested development, and I know you did the Dom and Colin house uh, mm-hmm. thing with Dom, right? Yeah. So I was also really into house. Those were like my two shows that I got to watch um, that were actually on at that time. Um, so then when I got to, well, actually it was the summer before I went to uh, college, I got my first personal computer um, that wasn't like our house computer. And I got, so I was supposed to go to nationals for speech and debate. Um, but a week before I did this like 40 mile bike ride with my mother. And afterwards I was like, Oh man, I'm pretty sore. Um, they're like, Oh, okay. Well maybe it's just the bike ride. Turns out I had appendicitis. My appendix had ruptured and I ended up going to the hospital, um, and spent like four or five days in the hospital, um, throughout this whole process. So I'm getting to, I'm getting there. I swear. So I was, (laughs) which is actually, that's when my dad found out I had my belly button pierced because I remember they like brought me into the ER and they're like, okay, we need to do a, you know, CAT scan or, or whatever it is that they were going to do to me. And then they were, we need to take out, you need to take out all your piercings. So take out my two ear piercings and I was like wait I got one more <laughs> and my dad was sitting next to me he's like Liana <laughs> sorry dad <laughs> I know you didn't know about this but <laughs> um so so anyway so yeah so I was super drugged up in the hospital and my dad like went home <laughs> he was like all right I'm gonna go sleep in my bed like have fun in the hospital <laughs> Thanks, Dad. So I got to watch TV. Um, and it was over the summer and I saw Big Brother. And maybe it was the drugs. I don't know like what was going on, but I remember thinking, like, oh my gosh, I'm really into this show. And that was how I discovered Big Brother. Super high on Vicodin or morphine or whatever it was that I was on. Uh, and that was when I first discovered essentially reality television. Uh and so, oh, another funny story. So I remember, so I was supposed to go to nationals. I couldn't, obviously, because I was in the hospital. And my speech coach called me on the phone. And again, super high on drugs. 
I remember him telling me, it's okay, Liana, you're a rock star, you're a superstar. And I just like super high said back, no, Mr. Robinson, you're a superstar. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember crying and uh, oh my goodness, it was a disaster. Uh, But anyway, so after I got out of the hospital, I was essentially bedridden for at least a week because they ended up doing the surgery laparoscopically, which is where they make two small incisions and then like inflate you and like stick these tools in to, to do the surgery. But because it's not that I like my appendix had perforated, like it had burst open. So they had to actually remove it. Um, so my surgery was relatively severe. Um, and I played a lot of rock band because a friend had loaned me his xbox 360 i did that and i watched a lot of television and this was my like angels coming from the (laughs) heavens kind of like "Ah," moment of oh my goodness i love reality tv so that was when I started. It took me a while to get into Survivor, mainly just because I didn't know it existed. Like, I'm pretty sure I had heard the term Survivor before, but I it took me a while to get into it because I just didn't know what it was. Um, but after that first year, I didn't know live feeds existed either. My the summer after my freshman year, I was working uh, doing corneal tissue engineering that summer. And we were only working, you know, 40 hours a week, maybe a couple hours on the weekends, but we had all this free time. And I watched a ton of live feeds. Oh my gosh. It was amazing. And I got thrown into this super like bizarre microcosm of society that I was getting to observe. And none of my friends watched or cared. Um, and I, I don't know, at that point in time, I hadn't really thought about the fact that there could be these communities online of people who are super into this stuff talking about it. And so it took me until my, until I actually graduated and it was my first year out of undergrad to really discover RHAP. Um, and, you know, immediately was like, oh my goodness, there are people who talk about this stuff. It was so cool. Um, and I, I'm also a person who I'm kind of all or nothing. I'm a hundred percent in, or, you know, if I can't do my best, I, it, it's going to be hard for me to put myself really in that experience. And so I got really into it. <laughs> and so by the time the, the call for So You Think came around, Oh my gosh, of course I had to do it. I I felt like I wanted to talk about Big Brother. I wanted an opportunity to dive into all of this stuff. Um, you know, and a, you know, little did I know it would spiral into Survivor and and RuPaul's Drag Race, which I'd watched since season 1, was another one of my um my favorites. So, yeah, I don't remember what the original question was, but <laughs> I'm all about it. <laughs> what what's what season was the the one that you had caught at first? It was Big Brother 11. So, which, yeah, of all the seasons, yeah. <laughs> like, catch. <laughs> of course, like, I missed 10. Uh, thankfully, I could go back and rewatch. So, yeah, I mean, part of my complete immersion into the world of Big Brother and Survivor was all of these rewatches. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, there's definitely a little bit of insecurity that people have been like, oh, I've been watching since season one. <laughs> um, you don't even know if you didn't watch the 8-bit feeds. <laughs> so, like, but, I, which I, is fair. I, I mean, like, I, I am one of those people, but, like, I was also, like, seven years old at the time so it barely counts (laughs) but like even the people that were old enough to remember like 
that was still like 15 years ago more uh, like you don't remember most of that any more than i do uh <laughs> yeah i mean i you know so yes i have insecurity about that i don't you know if that that's fine um you know i mean more power to you if you have been able to stick with something for 15 years clearly i can only stick with a relationship for like <laughs> eight so if you've, if you've done this for 15 years more power to you um but i yeah i mean i learned everything i could about about these shows oh my god how much of my memory is taken up by this i don't know but i'm a little embarrassed to find out (laughs) far too much yeah uh but yeah i i loved it i loved the um especially big brother i mean don't get me wrong i love survivor rupaul's drag race is in its own realm of just being entertaining as all get out but big brother is with the live feeds is sort of this all of these moving chess pieces and putting everything together and solving the problem of what's going on and how these people are moving independently but also dependently on one another and how they make decisions and you know most of the weeks it's like oh there's a house target Okay, that person goes home. So it's not always that exciting. But on the times it is, it's something that I find very enjoyable. Well, yeah, like, I mean, even Survivor, it's it Survivor feels to me like I'm looking through like a a looking glass and there's like a whole world outside of that small little circle. But I'm only able to see that small little circle. Whereas Big Brother, I feel like I see the whole world and there are like circles missing of like when the feeds went down or whatever. Um, So it's a world of difference. Yeah, yeah, they're. De- I mean, yeah, they're 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 very different. And I think from an analytical perspective of how I approach Big Brother versus Survivor, I I know there are a lot of people who don't like this, but I enjoy reading the edit of Survivor because in my mind, that's another looking glass, right? right? So you have the one that you can look through and you're just observing what you see, but then oh, what's the editor looking glass look like? Mm-hmm. Why are they showing us these specific things? What does this mean? Uh, sometimes it doesn't mean anything. Uh, sometimes it's just entertaining, but it is fun to use those extra pieces to sort of put together the puzzle so uh yeah but they they are they're very different and i understand why people may not like one or really like the other i think a lot of the like quote-unquote cheesiness of big brother gets to a lot of people uh which i don't know maybe it was the vicodin at the time (laughs) when i first started watching but i liked yeah um but yeah it's just it's it's so much fun and it's it's unlike anything else. You, you were like watching Casey in the banana outfit and you're like, <laughs> yes, this is me. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I should call up my speech coach again. Be like, Mr. Robinson, there's a talking banana on my television. <laughs> Did you ever try to explain the show to your friends? Uh, or were no. you you were like old enough that you knew that was a bad idea? Because I was like, I was watching Big Brother Eight. Like, guys, there's this this guy eric and everyone calls him a weasel but he's so good but like america keeps screwing him over um no (laughs) although to be fair i was also doing that i was like this crazy guy matt hoffman uh he's being a crazy person and then in 14 i was like oh my god dan geesling just did the most amazing (laughs) i never stopped I will say, okay, so I didn't really try to convert any of my friends um, or try to say, like, hey, guys, you should really check this out. Like, the, I'm the reality TV pusher. Um, like, promise, just check out BB10. <laughs> it's the best taste. And then you'll come back for the crappy seasons. No, um, I uh, I did <laughs> I did try to convince my ex-husband to, like, watch with me. He was really great for casual opinions because he would just walk in and out of the room. Like, he stopped watching 
watching. I think he got through maybe half of BB-16 before he stopped watching, which to be fair, maybe BB-16, you know, that's in retrospect, I shouldn't have, uh, I shouldn't have told him about that, but, um, or had him watch that season. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, he really liked, um, who did he really like? We were like, we were getting divorced at the time when I was doing So You Think. And, uh, and so Scott from BBOTT, he felt really bad for Scott. Cause I, I would like be doing my updates and stuff. Um, cause I had, first of all, I had no idea when y'all were going to call us to do So You Think. So I was preparing and me being the neurotic preparer, you should see my notes. I have like each week summaries of everything that happens. It's like, oh my God, I'm getting called out of the blue and I need to be prepared. Uh, so I would come home and every day, if there's stuff I missed, would catch up on everything. Um, like religiously and so yeah he felt bad for the virgin king um and then i remember he saw cochran for the first time and he said john cochran looks looks like a cross between theon Greyjoy and the king of the virgins that was what he told me there you go uh... (laughs) that was great (laughs) but no no so to have people that i can actually talk about the show with is also amazing <laughs> yeah because finally i have people i can appreciate all my weirdness when it comes to reality television I'm, i mean a true test of compatibility is is if they are willing to watch big brother with you <laughs> yeah seriously maybe that should be my next test yeah that's the the <laughs> Any... the, the one and only red flag is if they're not into big brother <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'll do for any potential suitors. I'll sit them down and be like, hey, yeah, I'm going to watch this show. What do you think? It really is like, this is homework for uh, potential dating prospects. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Which is perfect for you because only the people that do this homework and want to do this kind of homework will have the leg up. That's right. Oh, my God. That's what. Okay. Screw Tinder. This is how I'm going to. Okay. This has turned from Taryn therapy hour to Liana dating time. (laughs) Now accepting applications. I'm just kidding. Please don't do that. (laughs) This this podcast serves many purposes. Uh, Therapy, uh, getting people dates. It's whatever you want it to be. Promoting great (laughs) messages. All right. Well, uh, I think I think that's all the things that we have to do in this in this particular podcast, Liana. <laughs> that's right. I'll uh, I'll go through some more traumatic experiences and then we'll come back and do <laughs> the Taryn Show 2.0. Sounds good. Make sure you get a lot of the, I don't know if we can hold out like a whole year. So make sure you try to pack in as many as you can. OK. Oh, well, <laughs> talk about my love life. <laughs> really crass i'm preparing for the drag race podcast i promise um yeah maybe next time i'll come back and i'll share all the horrible story my whole dating experience stories there you go all right well thank you so much for uh for joining me and uh for for you know opening up to uh to the the world and me yeah, well, you know, I when you asked me, I sort of, uh, you know, I've been through a lot of these things in my life and I debated, okay, either I'm going to go all out and I'm just going to talk about everything that's happened to me or I'll try to do some protected watered down version of myself and ultimately you know so i was like what am i well of course of course i should talk about all these things that have happened and you know if there's anybody out there who has had a similar experience a dissimilar experience and just wants to talk about it like i'm here i'm at twit on twitter at liana boris um so you know feel free to reach out to me um and uh yeah you know you got to find your support system and there are people out there myself included who can you who can help you and, and be there for you yeah and and you know I, I, I just having this kind of discussion, like if you are going through something similar or if you uh, or you're just you're like 
you have no idea what this experience is like and you want to to learn more about it like that i think there's something supportive and and helpful about these kinds of things being out in the open and available uh, especially if if uh you know, like if you know liana beforehand but even if you don't uh you know it's this is it's it's good it's all good yes yes uh if you knew me beforehand you're like oh my gosh Liana's so great i'm just like oh this girl <laughs> <laughs> no hopefully i mean ho- hopefully you enjoyed listening to it i mean i think one of the other things is I always think about this with podcasts. I have a fortunate opportunity to be able to talk about shows I love or I guess talk about myself, which I guess I should love. I love me. Um, But I want to, you know, I want it to be entertaining. And so hopefully this was entertaining and and maybe shed some light on some things. Um, And I hope that you enjoyed this episode. (laughs) Well, people can go to iTunes, The Taryn Show, and uh, give us a rating. And you can give it like a a star rating for the Liana podcast. Uh, Oh, yes. For someone who places a lot of their uh, value in others, what others think of them, I really do not think that that's something that I should have. Every, it's 10 out of 10 every time. I guarantee it. Although there's only five stars on, on iTunes. Which is terrible. A uh, five-star uh, five rating is, to, is bad. It should be one out of 10, not one out of five. I, I maintain that firm stance. Right is right. Yes. Shame on you, Goodreads. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you everyone for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Armstrong Taren. Uh, Liana mentioned her Twitter, uh, before, but you can, uh, uh, hear it again. Uh, at Liana Boris, L-I-A-N-A-B-O-R-A-A-S. Yes. I am also one of those people that needs to spell my name most of the time. Uh, really? Yeah. T-A-R-A-N. But lots of people, they'll go like T-A-R-Y-N or T-A-R-R-E-N or uh all kinds of things oh that's weird i uh my name always gets misspelled i get you know an extra n or something like that but my last name was the worst because it's Mm b-o-r-a-a-s i cannot tell you how many times school pictures it says liana (laughs) b-o-r-a-s-s and all my friends are like it says ass i'm like i know (laughs) great observation skills (laughs) yeah exactly um all right so uh yes find liana uh, you know, she's she's got all the podcasts that I talked about, uh, RuPaul, B&B, um, and of course she'll be on the, uh, the the morning updates for Big Brother Celebrity and, and so on um, and all of that stuff. So lots of good stuff to check out with Liana. Um, we've got plenty of, of Big Brother Celebrity coverage uh, coming your way very soon. And uh, I also recently did a podcast with uh, with Dom and Colin where we uh, we updated their Big Brother winner rankings from over five years ago. Um, it was that I listened to that podcast before I was a podcaster, and I was like, "This is the pinnacle of podcasting." And then they invited <laughs> me to be on the update, and I was very uh-huh. glad. And I and I feel like I pummeled Colin into submission, so that was a very good <laughs> result. Uh, I'm excited to listen. <laughs> all right, so thank you everyone for joining us. I will see you next time. Parents asking questions. Parents finding out. Parents looking deeper. That's what it's all about. It's the Terrence Show. So you.